It's Wednesday, September 9th. This is Professor Mitch. Let's take a look at what's going on in the world, economies, and markets. Tesla has sort of become the leading stock on everyone's mind. The stock is up 647%. That's almost seven times year over year since this time last year. They've had a correction. There's some discussion about their business model because it's not just making cars. It's also selling tax credits. China's a little bit of a problem. They're just not selling cars as fast as they thought they would in China. But it is still the only pure electric vehicle play available in the stock market in the world today. So Tesla's going to keep on trucking on. The only thing that's going to stop Tesla is if the markets reverse. So far, that has not happened. We've definitely had a correction, right? But let's not forget that a year ago, the Dow was around 18,000. It's now at 28,025, right? Down from a high of 29,000 and change. Okay, so we've had a correction since early September. We've corrected less than 10%, less than 5%, about 3%. Not a big deal. Don't lose sight of the fact that the U.S. economy is still doing fairly well. And we are definitely on a focused tour, a focused effort to re-domesticate a lot of manufacturing back here in good old America that we let go to Europe and primarily to China and other parts of Asia over the last 20 or 30 years. You can't tag this one on Trump. You can't tag it on Obama. You can't tag it on the Bushes. We've been doing this for a long time. And the, the decision was that U.S. consumers want goods cheaper, and a way to do that is labor arbitrage. Go have the stuff made where labor rates are significantly below our labor rates. That doesn't really work anymore. We are going to re-domesticate production. We're going to create better jobs. We're going to get a good deal of our economy off of minimum wage into jobs that have health care and retirement benefits. There's going to be a substantial change over the next decade. And that's why the stock market's still doing okay. That's why the Dow is at 28,025. It's why NASDAQ, even though it has corrected as well, and even though there's a lot of discussion about how the these new technology companies are overvalued, the reality is that year over year, NASDAQ is up 38%. It is still the best performing stock market in the world. All right. I'm not saying I'm a raving bull and I'm not saying you should go out and put every dollar you've got in the stock markets because there's risk all over the place. We are going to have an election. I don't know what's going to happen. Change of administration is quite possible. Change in policy, even with the old administration, is quite possible. But don't forget, at the core of the pricing mechanism, of every financial asset, that's bonds, stocks, gold, currencies, whatever, is supply and demand. And right now, there's a lot of demand for good 
financial assets. And we're seeing that in the U.S. stock markets. Europe is still experiencing some economic weakness. You're seeing that in their stock indices. So if you're a global investor, if you're a wealthy person in Europe, and you're thinking, I want to invest in some stock. I think 2021 is going to be a pretty interesting year economically. Where shall I go? Well, you know, you can definitely go to Europe. The British economy is doing okay. Not great, but okay. Part of the problem is that they left the euro. They're now dealing with the pound sterling. That conversion is causing them some issues. Not big issues, but just transitional issues. France is still trying to figure out how they they pursue their economy. They're, they're off 10% year over year. They're having trouble building a modern economy because they let go of a lot of their um, manufacturing. And that's why Germany's doing so well. Germany is still the leader in the Eurozone. They're up over 8% year over year. Their index is almost at 14,000. And frankly, that's because Germany is a big manufacturing company, country, sorry, and they deal a lot with China. Bingo. Germany's going to do okay. Oil is another indicator. U.S. domestic oil, remember back in January, and we were only talking eight months ago, all right? Back in January, U.S. domestic oil was at $63 a barrel. It had that trading aberration back in uh, April where it got to minus 37 a barrel. It climbed back to 20 a barrel by early May. And here we are now where oil is about $40 a barrel. It's going to have a hard time moving beyond those numbers. And I thought we, we did get to 45. I thought we would. I thought we could stay there. Maybe we'd even get to 50. But the only way we can do that is if there's economic stability in all of the oil-producing nations. And that is just not the case. Especially down in Latin and South America, those countries like Venezuela and Argentina that produce oil, and some of the other countries over in Europe, like Russia, who needs money, right? they're going to keep producing oil even if the Saudis put the brakes on. And even the Saudis could use a couple of dollars. As much as they've got trillions, they need cash flow. So oil is going to trade in this range. The range is a little broader than I thought. I thought the range would be 45 to 50. It's more like 40 to 50. We might see some spikes based on weather disasters and that sort of thing that could get us into the mid-high 40s. But it looks like oil is going to trade somewhere around $40 to $45 a barrel. Not great for U.S. oil producers, but not awful. There's still employment going on in the oil sector. We There is discussion about how we should stop drilling in the United States, which from a, the perspective of economics, I honestly don't understand. Why we would give up all the capital input that we have spent in order to create energy independence in America makes no sense. But that's just my view of economics, right? So oil is trading fairly well. There is some profit in the oil patch. We continue to employ people in the oil patch, which obviously is a good thing. And we see this in the old safe havens of sovereign debt and gold, right? 
Gold had its moment. It traded above $2,000 a barrel. I'm sorry, $2,000 an ounce uh, back in August 6th. All right, set a new all-time high. Everyone said gold is now going to $3,000 an ounce. That ain't happened. Gold's trading in a very tight range. The range is $1,900 an ounce to $2,000 an ounce. It's going to take some real global unrest for us to substantially break through $2,000 an ounce. We might have a day or two or a week or two, but for us to trade up from $2,000 to $2,100, $2,500 to $3,000, there's going to have to be something wrong. And it doesn't look like we're there yet. All right. doesn't look like we may get there. We're all focused on other issues. You see that in sovereign debt. Sovereigns continue to trade really well. So, you know, if you've got a pile of money and if you're worried about the global economies, but if you want to make a few bets here and there, your anchor, your safety zone are sovereign debt and gold. That's why gold traded from 1600 an ounce roughly up to 2000 an ounce and now it's traded back down to around 1950 an ounce is because of the desire to have a portion of major investors' portfolios in less risky assets. Sovereigns are the same way. U.S. debt continues to trade really well. Uh, we're of the 10 years at 0.7%. It got down to 0.58%. It got up to 0.75%. These are historically low rates, right? And the same thing's going on with all other countries. Over in Europe, the good economies are trading at or close to zero. Same thing in Asia. I think Japanese ten, the Japanese 10-year is at uh, roughly zero. All right, the, the worst credits, the more troubled credits are uh, are trading roughly at, um, at 6%. Uh, that's primarily Mexico and India, right? So in, in globally, investors are still using sovereigns as their safe haven of choice, and they're using some gold as a hedge to that whole process. Domestically, things continue to improve here in America. Right? The improvements aren't startling. They're not newsworthy, so we don't read about them a lot. But car sales are trending up, right? They're, we're still going through this deurbanization effort throughout America. People are moving into the suburbs. When they go to the suburbs, one of the first things they have to do is buy a car, if not two cars. So car sales are up almost 25%. Used car sales are up even more than that. A used car market is on fire because if people might buy one new car and then they'll go buy a used car for you know commuting to work. We're not going to get back to 17 million units per year in auto sales the way we did last year and the year before, but we're right now around 12 million units and I think we'll hold that level through the end of the year. And at 12 million units with some adjustments, the automobile companies are profitable. Not really profitable, but profitable. Over on the housing side, the news is amazing. As we go through this deurbanization and people move out of the cities and they buy homes, that causes, you know, obviously people to buy furniture, people to go to Home Depot, who's doing really well, and Lowe's, um, and home sales are up 25%. That's a big driver of the domestic economy. All right, so we got home sales up 25%. You've got mortgage applications up really big, maybe 30%. So you've got all the major mortgage lenders 
doing really well, including the, the bank mortgage lending operations. What you've got now is a stable economy in the U.S., not plagued by inflation, powered by available money at very low interest rates. And this is going to really help us. And we're going to see it in the in the stock indices. Doesn't mean that these we're not going to have corrections because sometimes valuations get out of whack. There's no doubt about the fact that we're going to have more volatility because these indices are higher. So a 1% down day on a 25,000 index or 28, 29,000 index, all right, is you know off 300 points. So so we're going to see more volatility. That's for sure. But the economy looks like it's better. Unemployment's doing way better. We're creating a ton of jobs here in America. We're creating more jobs than we have. We're creating unemployment. Part of the problem is training. We're going to have to put our workforce back through a training session to make them more capable of handling jobs that are more complex than the low wage, hourly wage no benefits jobs that a lot of America worked at. The real question becomes the hospitality and leisure industry. I think that recovery is a way down the road, but frankly, those jobs didn't pay very well. So we're continuing to power on. The indices continue to do okay. I think that we're going to have uh, some issues regarding uh, recovery. Uh, but in general, the U.S. economy is looking better and better. Let's take a look at next week. Stay tuned. Speak to you then.